Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. As always, kick off every show, every show shouting out JD Masters and Buddha, Man of the Mirrors, our intro and outro song. Go show JD and Buddha some love. YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream your music, anywhere you stream our podcasts like Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, you'll find JD and Buddha, friends of the program, friends of ours. Evan, happy Thursday. Good to hear from you. Um, I don't know how you know your NFL experience is going. We're going to roll into some football topics to kick things off. Uh, it sounds like Trevor Lawrence has escaped the worst on an injury I was really nervous about. I can't say the same for my team, and we'll get into that. But uh, just to clarify, is Trevor playing Sunday, or are, are Jag fans worried about their future now? Uh, it sounds like he's playing on Sunday. Um, it was uh, weirdly enough the way he went down. You know, you you look at you know the the knee. Very and the scary, ankle. very scary. Yeah, to just keep I watching mean, it because it's it tough looks, to even see the angle. So I was, I just kind of presume the worst because it just seems like it's that kind of season for a lot of people in the NFL. Well, it reminded me of the um, when you hear about alligators doing their death spiral. You know, like Trevor got like wrapped, flipped, and then like just felt like all of his all of his weight and his tackler's weight was landing on his like ankle and knees. Um, but seems like it's a it's a pretty mild kind of sprain um, and and not even a high ankle sprain at that. So um, it's a it's definitely crisis averted. Um, that was the worst Jaguars performance since like. I guess Urban Meyer, but maybe even worse than that, like Gus Bradley era incompetence Ooh. for the Jags. Uh, it was very, very bad, um, and Trevor not getting injured made it kind of feel like, you know, a consolation prize. So, uh, yeah, but but Dom, you uh, as you kind of alluded to, unfortunately, the same cannot be same. Uh, the same cannot be said about Von Miller. Um, out for the season. Uh, you've been seeing all the uh, tributes pour in from you know NFL players all across the league. I saw Micah Parsons saying that he was really messed up about that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's you had kind of alluded though that I think a couple weeks ago you kind of said that Vaughn hadn't really been producing quite as much in recent weeks. So. You know, I mean, it, what, what what's kind of your take on all this? Well, I am, for one, I'm very, as a fan, I'm devastated. It just sucks. I mean, it's just, right. it's the hits just keep on coming with the Bills. And regardless of how far we make it, if we win a Super Bowl, still without Von Miller, I still think we can do it. If you look back a year ago, the Bills didn't have Trey White late in that playoff run either, and we were 13 seconds away from probably playing for a Super Bowl. Here, you know, assuming that the Bills would have gotten the job done against the Bengals, I wholeheartedly still to this day would say the Bills would have beaten the Bengals had they beaten the Chiefs. That's just me. Obviously, the you know things could be different. Other people have opinions. So while I don't think this changes the Bills' trajectory as being one of the Super Bowl favorites. I just think much like when we lost Micah Hyde, 
when you're you know for the season when you're battling with either Jordan Poyer who had went through some injury spouts earlier in the season linebackers and Tremaine and, uh, and and Matt Milano that were kind of shifting on and off weeks as well the path just gets more difficult the the road doesn't get as straight now to, to hoisting the Lombardi trophy so while I'm not panicking I'm just bummed like and, and I think that's really the way that Bill's Mafia feels I think that's a lot of what the people inside the building feel is just bummed you know and and for not yeah. for anything too I'm so over the Bills playing on Thanksgiving I'm so done with because that's when Trey got hurt last year was in New Orleans on Thanksgiving and then Vaughn gets hurt. I was there. I literally watched. I didn't. I actually was you know shooting it on the field. I didn't get to see Vaughn because the the play happened away from where Vaughn went down. But I mean, it, it, it's it's a little surprising because Vaughn went on his podcast and said, "Oh, this isn't going to be a big deal. I could even be back by the Jets week, maybe later." Bills officially, you know, then come out. They they. You know, send them to the IR probably four hours before kickoff last Thursday against the Patriots, and now you get this. He's done for the season. Went through exploratory surgery. Found out he had torn his ACL. It's a tough blow. You almost felt like something serious is going to come out of this. And again, it's it's nothing that the Bills aren't used to, but it's it's also just like, what did we do? What did the Bills do to deserve this just an insurmountable unlucky? Unlucky injury like streak they got going. They're they're almost basically the Ravens had their their struggles with injuries last year, and they gave that juju over the Bills. I guess that's that's what it feels like. So it just all in all, it's it's unfortunate. It's it's something that uh, you know we're gonna have to see how the Bills respond to even more adversity. Um, And now with two very very big divisional games at home, time for Greg Rousseau. AJ Apinesa, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips, guys up front in the trenches. It's it's, it's hey, Vaughn was there for y'all. All right, you're more than capable. Greg Rousseau coming back is a really good sign as he gets healthier. But it's time for the rest of everybody else to step up and do their do their role. So no panic, just just you know disappointment, just bummed very much so. Understandable, um, you know. I mean that's uh, you know if he's. You know, that's the one thing with Vaughn is even when Vaughn isn't having, you know, the standard, you know, type of all pro performance, uh, famously just, you know, one of the most influential and best locker room presences uh, in the NFL. Um, he just takes so much attention when he's on the field, too. And that's where yeah. it's like, oh, okay. I mean, that's when you get like Greg Rousseau, Shaq, and, you know, some of these guys get to, you know, and, and Boogie. I should, I obviously should mention Boogie Basham because he, um, he's, he's had really, really good moments to shine bright, you know, I think because of Vaughn. So, yeah, he'll still be around. And, I, you know, Brandon Bean, you know, talked yesterday and said that, you know, Vaughn will still be around and he'll, he'll be doing some things when he recovers. And they, they, they are hoping that his recovery will allow him to play for most of the 2023 season. So we'll see because they also said the same thing about Tredavious White and we had to wait till Thanksgiving to get Trey back on the field. So jury's still out. We'll see. We'll keep our fingers crossed. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's, it's tough there. I actually didn't really, like, see all the – I saw a few. I didn't see Micah's tweet, but uh, it's, 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 it's nice. It's nice to see, you know, people, people around the league care, you know, when one of your guys goes down because, you know, Bill's Mafia was hurting yesterday. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, well, speaking of injury and recovery, um, 
that's kind of uh, one of the major talking points about the Odell Beckham tra- or uh, free agency saga right now is uh, is it's come out that Odell's going to need at least five weeks before he can hit an NFL football field. Uh, so I mean, essentially not you know playing in the regular season, um, which was kind of an understood thing, but now it's uh, becoming a bit more of a talking point. And and the reason why is because the uh, the Cowboys have kind of dropped a heel. T- on the NFL recently, you know, they, they were just so lovey-dovey, you know, at every step of the way, you know, for, for two or three weeks, they were annoying the rest of the NFL with, you know, Jerry and Mike McCarthy and, uh, and, 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 and Dak and Ezekiel Elliott all mm-hmm. being like, oh, well, we want, we want Odell bad. We're going to do what we can, blah, blah, blah. And then now Jerry's coming out and goes, well, we, you know, we kind of knew that his injury was going to be bad and it's even worse than we thought. And I don't know if we're going to be able to do it and this and that. And, you know, so it, it, it's wild, Dom. Like, I, Very wild. You, I, I, you know, the, I still think he, the Cowboys are the favorite. I think they're just trying to get him to drop his price. Um, but, I mean, there it is. it seems a lot less certain today right now on December 8th you know, about where Odell's next, you know, uh, uh, team is than we were, you know, a week ago where it just felt like the Cowboys right. were, were, were going to take care of it in a matter of time. Well, my, my only thought to this is it just, it seems very timely, very suspicious on its timeliness that the Bills and Giants, he visits, I mean, he spends a weekend in Buffalo. Presumably he was, you know, spending time with Vaughn. Uh, and, and I know Josh and, and, and Stefan had a role, at least, you know, from what Josh and Steph told us uh, after the win last Thursday against New England, is that, yeah, we'd have a role of when Odell Beckham would come in and talk. But uh, why did it, why is it all of a sudden now we're starting to get this? I mean, we, we've all known about Odell Beckham's injuries, injury concerns, and everything that's loomed around him. It, it, it's very, very suspicious to me that we get to Dallas and now we're going to start raising a stink about this. It makes me think, it makes me think that the Cowboys, and I think you bring up a good interesting point about the money. The contract was something I didn't even think of. I was thinking more with my emotions, but it made me think that the Cowboys weren't going to get him as on the deal or as sure as they were going to get him as they thought so. So they're like, well, we have to find a way to now get that number down or to get him to like to, or you know, somehow get – OBJ to traject back into you know having Dallas be their favorites. One of those two options, and it just it, it's very I don't know. It's suspicious that you are starting to push this out there. It becomes a major talking point only when he visits the Cowboys, not when he visits visits the Giants and the Bills. And you could also and here's the other thing. I'll provide the devil's advocate point to my own. Um, so sorry if I take away your argument point here, Ev. But my other take is is that okay. If this didn't come up for the for the Bills and Giants, if the Bills Giants didn't raise this concern about OBJ's injuries, well, it kind of almost makes you believe that he was pretty locked in on the Cowboys, and the Cowboys had to take it to the next level because the mutual interest is there, and that OBJ indicated that he would like to make it work in Dallas. So Dallas doing the things because again, it's a business that's a professional organization have to cross their T's, dot their I's, look at everything. How does Odell's injury affect them? When does he get back on there? So I I see it from both angles, but as somebody who just doesn't care for the for the Cowboys and would like to see OBJ in blue and red of Buffalo, suspicious. A little suspicious. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it it is, and you know, I. I, I do understand, you know, though, from the Cowboys' perspective or any team's perspective, you know, uh, it, as long as we're taking it at somewhat face value, that, yeah, I mean, you just would not want to hitch your wagon to a guy who's recovering from, one, an ACL tear. I mean, that's uh, that's that's just, you know, always kind of, you know, a major red flag. Uh, but, two, I mean, you know, you're, you're asking a guy to, you know, join up in time for the playoffs – and Odell has proven that he can do some, you know, mercenary type stuff that he can yep. adapt quickly and make plays and whatever. But, you know, you you may, you know, be risking a decent amount of money uh, for, you know, if he flops in the playoffs, if he doesn't assist or he doesn't get healthy, if you sign him and he doesn't get healthy in time, you know, I mean, you're like, well, shit. I mean, we just, you know, we, you know, I, I feel like any deal would need to be very incentive based. I think what we could see. I really think that, you know, as much as Odell wants the multi-year contract, I think probably all three teams are like, hey, man, like, we'll give you money to play for us in the playoffs this year, and then let's talk again in February. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let's let's just get through this and immediately renegotiate at the end of the year. But um, And see, you know, I, thought, I thought there could be the opposite prior to this injury bug and, and, and the rumor spreading about how prolonged and how still affected this injury is. I thought Odell would be a guy, especially for a team maybe so like Buffalo or New York, who's like, hey, I want a one-year deal. I want to see how this works. Then we can talk about an extension, but I want to see how it works with me. I want to see if we can go win a go win here. And I, I, I don't I know the Bills weren't going to buy that. I don't think the Bills were looking at anything less than two years. But now I think you bring up a good point. It's like, well, with circumstances the way they are, you, you might be right. Odell might be looking for a long term deal because he knows at least he has a little security blanket for himself. Yeah, so it uh it'll be very interesting and you know to to see what happens. I think, you know, everyone's talking about his next team. I genuinely think there's also a reality in which say because it. He, I know who you think. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say the team. Uh, Go ahead. No, no, finish. No, your point. no, no, no. The team is uh no team. I I think there's a very real possibility that, you know, Odell, you know, whether due to recovery or not getting the contract uh terms that he wants, he just says, okay, well, I'm not playing this year. If I can't play for the money that I want or for the deal that I want, then I'm just not going to play this year. Yeah. And then he comes yep. back next year. Um, I think I think that's looking like a more and more likely uh, possibility. Um, yeah. No, uh, I, I think – I actually think that's – that. I mean, that's what I would hope for if he doesn't end up signing with the Bills, you know, and, and the injury as bad as he thinks. I, what, what I get nervous about with OBJ and that caliber of a player he is is that the longer he sits – and the more that the the Cowboys can't make it work, the more the Bills, Giants can't make it work, the more I'm like, oh, no. What are the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles doing up at night? Why are they scheming right now? What are what are they crafting up seeing this the inability to get the deal done? Long stretch. Obviously, I'm thinking as, a para, as paranoid as possible right now because I don't want to see him on either one of those teams. But makes me think, okay, what other teams could come in here and take advantage of this delay that has that has kind of shaped into the OBJ talk. So it'll be very interesting. And we don't we don't it's like you mentioned before, we just we don't know a lot. It's suspicious, interesting, it, it's climatic, it's almost cinematic at this point. I mean, you put this direct you if you direct the OBJ talks, put Tarantino or Scorsese on this directing this, I think you're going to win probably an Oscar 
for this yeah, performance that's happened. I have had the uh, succession theme playing in my head the entire every time <laughs> I see the the uh, the uh, OBJ headlines pop mm-hmm. up. Um, you know, I uh, uh, this morning I interviewed uh, Jason Witten, uh, former Cowboys tight end, uh, for uh, uh, for. Uh, heavy.com stuff and I asked him about OBJ and he kind of said that you know he was like he, he kind of mentioned what you were saying which is just like I he he, he has never seen this in the NFL you know like in in his years of watching the, the NFL and then playing in it he's never seen like this kind of like uh courting you know like this kind of process for a free agent um you know there's been some big ones over the years but nothing quite like this middle of the season where teams are just overtly saying to you know like we want to sign him or you know we, you know that it, it feels way more transparent than your typical kind of um, yeah. uh, free agency pursuit um Dom, uh, I, I want to, before we get to our ma- next NFL topic, this was not on our docket, but I do mm-hmm. want to say we do need to shout out Big Cock Brock. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brock Purdy, uh, uh, starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, about to kick Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo to the curb forever. Um, goes out there uh, in his first NFL start, uh, deals two touchdowns, and leads the 49ers to a 33-17 win over the Dolphins. Um uh, that uh, that is quite the NFL debut, starting debut. Uh, just just wanted to show some love there because I think I think that could be a name to watch. Although I'm also seeing reports that Garoppolo is apparently not done for the season. He could come back during the playoffs. But um, if you know anything about Jimmy G, uh, you know that that man will not be playing another snap the rest of the season. Yeah, he has not. looked good. He has looked good enough that he's going to go get a decent contract next year. Um, you know, leaving the 49ers and like going, he will go get a decent contract. There is no reason uh, for him to jeopardize that. That man is about the paycheck, um, and I, I don't see him playing. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy game. Garoppolo will look great as a Houston Texan. He'll, he'll he he will. Uh, he will either go to the Houston Texans or he will go to the. Hmm, I don't know. There's a there's a lot of uh, interesting opportunities, but I wanted to mention that, and also uh, not not too much to talk about. But uh, uh, we do have to show some love to uh, your boy Joey B. Um, that was a big win. The uh, Bengals uh, kind of reminded the NFL uh, that they exist and that they are not to be overlooked uh, by beating the Chiefs this past weekend. So, yeah, shout out my boy. Uh, uh, shout out Joey B. Joe Burr, because the Bills are now number one of the AFC because every, that helped y'all, be, yeah. because of Jimmy uh, Joe B. and Brock Purdy. So thank you to the two of them. Uh, big fan. I've always, as Evan alluded to, I've always been a big Joe Burrow guy. He's my he's my dog. LSU, ride or die. Uh, Purdy didn't know anything about him, but him beating the Dolphins for me. And let's give credit to the the Niners defense as well. They're so they're so good. They're un, unreal. Uh, they. They got the job done. Bills are number one in the AFC, and it's it's the Thanos memes. It's like, what did it cost you to get number one in the AFC? Everything, meaning Everything. Von Miller, you know, done for the season. But yeah, Joe Burrow got it done, and uh, I think the last NFL thing we got to hit to Ev is we get to you know you're talking about how struggled the last Jaguars game was for you guys. Moment of happiness is that the Tennessee Titans are number one in the AFC South, leading their division. But they fire their general manager. Well, the here's the it's good and bad. Here's what we'll say. The the good, hilarious, have to laugh part is that your dumbass traded AJ Brown to the Eagles, and then he came to 
you know, you got to play the Eagles and he scored twice on you and then you get fired the following Monday. I just think that the pettiness on the owner and front office part of the Titans is hysterical to say, okay, I guess, you know, we can see if trading A.J. Brown was a good idea. And then the moment, you know, when you guys play A.J. Brown and he goes off uh, that, you know, the, they were like, all right, you got to go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's it was a it, you know, you don't typically see this right. Uh, you know, John Robinson is the uh, former Titans general manager. They're seven and five. They're leading the AFC South. They fire their GM. Now, that is funny. But here's the problem, Dom. It is so sad if you were the Colts or the Jaguars because you had, I mean, this is a Titans team that's seven and five because they kind of have someone has to be positive. So it's not because they're seven and five because they're good. Right. They're seven and five because someone has to win games in the AFC South. And if you're the tight, if you're the Colts and the Jags, you if you put out a mediocre team, you might win the AFC South this year. But neither team could be competitive, uh, and, and so the Titans are not only doing what almost looks like a rebuild year by firing their GM, but they're going to win the division while they do it. Um, so it's good and bad. It's funny, but it's also uh, it's also like okay, well, now the Titans basically get to work on getting better, but they're also going to you know put up another banner this year. So uh, it's uh, it, it it you know we'll we'll kind of have to see what they do with their GM spot, which I think is also going to be a very interesting thing because I don't think you would fire a guy mid season if you didn't have somebody that you know. Who's is that? going to be the next. This is where I give the keys to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like that doesn't really make much sense to me. So I bet their hire comes in pretty soon, and I bet it's probably at least in you know the the GM realm a pretty eye catching name. Um, but yeah, Dom, any thoughts on that? Nope. I uh, I think you got it all there too. It's it's it's. I didn't even make the AJ Brown connection till just now until you brought it up, which makes me think. Yeah, it is. It is just petty to watch him go off on you and then you're like well you made this happen get the hell out of my building uh i i it's regardless though like i think this is a great time for the titans to hit a reset if you're gonna hit a reset button and you have to do it in the middle of a season do it now because what are the the jags and colts are what four and eight each you have the titan or the texans who have two three wins this is the time where you can afford to do a hard reset in the middle of the season and it probably won't cost you your playoff spot so there you go bingo well, uh, Dom, let's get amateur and well, I guess it's not really amateur these days with NIL, but yeah, no let's kidding. talk. Let's uh, let's talk college football. Um, you know, it's uh, we we've got our our four teams in the playoff. Um, not a whole lot of surprises. You know, it's funny because we had mentioned the last episode that you know if these things happen, then Alabama has a chance. Well, those things exactly did happen, and Alabama did have a chance, but um, the uh, the playoff. Uh, uh, understood, understandably stood with TCU uh, remaining in the top four, and then also got Ohio State in there over Alabama. Um, and I would just like you know, to let uh, all college football fans know you can thank the athletic department and Brian Kelly at Louisiana State University for making sure that Alabama was not in the college football playoff because had they not won that game, Alabama would be in the college football playoff right now. So Absolutely. They win. They win one of those two games, they're in it. And, uh, you know, that's the thing, though, is, uh, you know, Alabama fans, you know, you, uh, me and Dom were talking about this before the show. You know, you've seen – there's always dumbasses online, right? You know, the loudest people are typically the dumbest people. But, um, 
you know, so of course there's Alabama fans that are losing it that say, oh, well, we'd, we, you know, we'd beat, you know, TCU if we played them. We'd beat Michigan if we play them. Well, yeah. don't lose twice, you know, don't lose twice. And, and uh, you don't have to have that problem. But, Dom, we've got our playoff set. It kind of feels like it's Georgia's playoff to lose. But outside of Georgia, you know, between Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU, who uh, who do you think's got the best chance of that group? My your heart wants to say Michigan because they're far and above. I think the deservingly number two team in in the nation right now. But man, I cannot forget what we did last year when I said the same shit last year and what happened in the college football playoff. They got trounced. So. I want to think outside the box because I, I agree with the fact I think it is Georgia's to lose, but I'm riding the Horned Frogs. They're just, they're, they're feisty. They, they now have their loss off the board, a little sting, a little, you know, you, you could have seen a world where they don't get in because of that loss. I think it was the right move to absolutely keep them in the college football playoff despite the loss in the Big 12 championship to Kansas State. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I just like the way would they put a little chip on their shoulder. I like the Horn Frog. So I'm going to ride TCU. I think TCU probably does the same thing that happened to Michigan last year when they played uh, Ohio, Ohio. Was it Ohio State that blew them out of the water in the college football playoff last year? I can't. Can't, rem- I can't I just remember Michigan last getting, year getting blown. Michigan out. got worked by Georgia. In that the, was Georgia, uh, and then it became Georgia Alabama. Right, right, right. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I for that reason I can't pick Michigan because I just uh, they they haven't proven to me they can win in a big stage here. I love TCU, so I'm gonna ride the Horn Frogs. I I think they're they're the, that's the best competition for the Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah, I uh, I also will be rooting for TCU. They're definitely the best story uh, in college football, and and uh, you know I I, I, I almost I, I said this to to my dad, you know, before the conference championship games. I really wish TCU wouldn't have lost. I I really wanted them to to you know just not even have it be a question, just have them be in, and and uh, and you know they get in anyways. And yeah, like you said, maybe that loss is kind of a weight lifted off their shoulders. Um, you know, kind of a wake up call that they yeah. will have to step it up in uh, the, the you know, in, in January. Um, if I really have to pick a team, though, I mean, it's the chalky answer because they are the number two team, but I really do think Michigan uh, also looks like they have the juice. You know, they 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 are not they're only, corn. you know, they're, they're yeah, they are, they are maize and blue, um, but uh, uh, they, you know, they not only have talent, you know, they are a very talented team, not as talented as Georgia, but... Uh, they they very much look like a hungry team. You know, when you watch them play in that Ohio State game, even in the games earlier in the year where, you know, things didn't go to plan and uh, they, you know, they were up against the wall against, you know, some, you know, average uh, Big Ten play. You know, this wasn't a team that kind of rolled over and died at any point. You know, they they they, they definitely uh, battled through adversity. And, and I think uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. I think. I think they unfortunately will beat TCU, um, and then uh, Georgia will beat Ohio State, and then we'll get uh, Georgia-Michigan rematch. Um, and I think this year, way more than last year, Michigan very much has a chance. I mean, they they, they can go score and make and put the onus on Georgia to score. That's that's really any of the teams that play Georgia in the final, uh, or in the you know, or Ohio State in the play in the semifinal. Yeah. You have to go score. Georgia's offense is good, 
but not great. And every time they've been in a situation this year where they've kind of really needed to score, they've done it, but barely, man. Not, like they, not convincingly. Not, not well, yeah, that, yeah, that Missouri game especially comes to mind. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's kind of going to be the formula, and I think Michigan probably has the best chance to execute that. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a good it's a good playoff four. I think uh, I think it'll be good. I'm uh, I'm optimistic, and uh, you know Alabama's got K State and the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I'm not optimistic about that. I think Alabama's going to come in that game dragging their feet, and K State's going to be fired up uh, for that game. So um, not exactly looking forward to it. Um, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. What is uh, where's LSU? Did you where do you know? Uh, LSU is in the I I had it in my head before now i completely forgot i do I'm know it's it. funny i actually can tell you actually where florida state is because they're in the freaking cheese it bowl ironically enough so uh and, and i know that because there's a story about how four players from each team are going to stay in like these like cheese it like branded sweets uh it's very very funny that's um, funny the, lsu's playing purdue it, in the citrus bowl yes the which ironically enough i'm seeing the cheese it citrus bowl so i guess cheese it has two bowls but yeah now lsu versus purdue uh on january 2nd in the yeah citrus bowl so right, right where they right where they belong um i if somebody was like to, i was actually seeing one of my buddies who is lsu fan uh down i met down in tallahassee he I was like, I don't know. LSU had enough case to be playing on a on a a a, 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 a January first bowl, and I was like, mm, I think again, but no, nah, no, they didn't. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah. we can't we can't keep riding that Alabama win forever. Like that luster has has fallen off. Maybe over. next year. That maybe that, next that year. fell off when Texas A and M beat us. So yeah, sorry. So Citrus Bowl there, and then uh, Syracuse, believe it or not, playing in the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. So yes. The, Syracuse playing in familiar territory because it feels like they're only in the pinstripe bowl. So good for them. I don't really care. You know, they win, they win, they don't, whatever. Probably someone someone said that uh I, I forget who tweeted this, but someone was like, if if the Qataris just want people to actually respect their World Cup, they should have gotten bad boy mowers to to sponsor it, you know, the the Bad Boy Mowers World Cup uh, in Qatar. You that, know, that fire. That's absolutely yeah. flames. I'd be watching um, I'd be watching the shit out of that. Yeah, it is almost the wonderful, uh, you know, I mean, we are coming up on bowl season. Uh, I think we'll have another episode where we can probably break them down uh, more in depth, but um, definitely some some pretty tasty games. I really think USC versus Tulane is highly underrated as a matchup. That's going to rock um, yeah, uh, in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, Tulane's had a dream year, and uh, that's that's... Oh man, I'm gonna be wearing my Tulane shirt. I've got this Tulane shirt I love to wear. Um, I'll Go Green Wave, rocking. baby! We're we're we're, we're, big, we're big supporters of the Green Wave as long as Absolutely. we're not playing LSU. So, have uh, we got one? Not so much a bold t- conversation we have to get into, but before we send it to the cash grab, we have one topic we need to talk about revolving around college football, and that's obviously the the you know we talked a lot about Luke Fickle, uh, some of the other head coaches in the last episode. Well. Deion Sanders has made it official since we've last recorded. He is now leaving Jackson State to go to Colorado and coach the Buffaloes to hopefully turn that miserable Pac-12 program into a contender. I love the Bring- move for Deion. That's that. That's my first initial thought. Yeah. Some things I want to get into, but I'll let. What, what's your just initial thoughts on Deion's move to Colorado? You know, it's interesting. You know, I. Uh, this sounds boring, but this really does kind of feel like a wait and see. 
You know, like I, you know, there's some people that think it's a slam dunk hire. There's some people that think it's an atrocious hire. I, uh, I really do think that it's probably going to be somewhere in between. You know, I mean that that really is how it typically shakes out, and that's a boring answer. But we kind of need to see this is uncharted territory for uh, Dion, just like Jackson State was, and he you know did a great job at Jackson State. But but this is again another step up in the quality of football that is going to be played in uh, the conference that he's in, and then also the kind of responsibilities and 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 duties that he's going to have to take on as a head coach of a you know I mean. We, in our lifetime, Dom, Colorado has never been relevant, pretty much, in our lifetime. But this is a team that, you know, won the national championship in 1990. Mm -hmm. You know, this was, for decades, one of the best college football programs in the country. You know, he is taking on, like, arguably the, the sleepiest of the sleeping giants. You know, like a team that isn't just, like, you know... They've been hibernating. They've been hibernating for a very long time. Right, like... There's teams that you look at, like Tennessee was kind of a sleeping giant, right? Where you're like, you just need one good coach at Tennessee and it's going to change. I don't even know if Dion is enough to really get Colorado back to, you know, premier status. But he will definitely uh, bring in, you know, a lot of attention and a lot of of talent. Yeah, I mean, and and that's where I think the strengths of Dion going to a Power 5 program. And, you know, you might not want to consider Colorado a Power 5 program, but they're in the Pac-12. They are. I think Dion is going to make them better because, Dion is very good at this new wave of college football, and that is recruiting using NIL money and get. It. And now he has real funded boosters to help him. Whereas you know a lot of reports are starting to come out, and I don't know the validity of this, so I don't want to start preaching them like they're facts. But a lot of reports have been coming out saying how much money Dion Sanders was giving out of his own wallet to help fund different things around Jackson State and the football facilities, equipment things around campus, travel, yada, yada, yada. So that that's going to be a plus for Dion is he's going to have some help and he's going to have the, the proper, I'd say, the, the, the funding, the support, and the people around him that I think will make this successful. Now, here's the thing where I, if you're a Colorado fan, if you're listening, thank you for one and, you know, hope the best for you. My thing with Dion is, though, is I like you said, the level of competition going from the SWAC conference, which is one of the better FCS conferences and for football. It's not the best. I hate to say it. As someone who covered a SWAC team, the SWAC is not the best because we could easily raise the big sky, and the big sky, I think, wins that battle nine out of ten times. That's just – that's my opinion. But anyways. Facts. The SWAC is good. But it is a night and day, like a very hard night and day difference to the Pac-12. You are now going to have to go up against Lincoln Riley at USC, Chip Kelly at UCLA, all these established, very good programs. Cal is back on the rise again, like Jared Goff is resurrecting his ghost there. You have Oregon, obviously. You now bring in a new head coach who I'm not very fond of, but you also have a new face at Arizona State in Kenny Dillingham, who three years ago was the offensive coordinator for Florida State. What? Anyways, you know, you have some new faces. You have different things and and, and rising powers coming to be in the Pac-12. So if you're looking for Dion to have an immediate splash success like he did at Jackson State, eh, think again. That's not going to happen. Dion is going to have to test his own patience. He's going to have to see... How long does he want to live in, you know, Boulder, Colorado, and and, and try to build this thing up from, from the ground up? Because I'm sure Dion is eyeing an SEC school. That's where he wants to lay one day. 
but he's it is a mountain to climb starting where he is and it's yeah. it's it's going to be grueling no question i will say though i uh, i'm going to here's this is this is just like a take i was already kind of having and uh, you know we had a, a family birthday party last night so dion came up and and it was the the take i dropped last night and and, and it kind of you know is a devil's advocate argument to you right now here's my thing Yes, Chip Kelly is a very good coach. That's a great point. You know, there are in the X's and O's, Dion is not going to be a leading man. He's not. You know, when it comes to, you know, uh, uh, game management, when it comes to scheming up wins and, and, and finding, you know, all that stuff, that is not what Dion did at Jackson State. That's not what he's going to be doing at Colorado. And that's, you know, it is a, it is a uh, you know, a valid concern, right? Like, can Dion handle the jump in, in tactics, the jump mm-hmm. in the mental side of things? Here's the thing. The Pac-12 talent pool is not very good. And Deion Sanders is going to get the arguably, I would say within within two years, he will have a top three, top four most talented team in the Pac-12. I genuinely believe that. He's going to have five stars. He's going to have major transfers. He's going to have tons of talent, eager, because he's not at Jackson State anymore. Anybody that had reservations because Jackson State was, you know, small or an HBCU or whatever. And in and, and, and Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> Jackson, Mississippi, which, man, let me tell you, I've been there a handful of times. You don't really want to go uh, to. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> The point being, he's going to have a ton of talent. People are talking about like, oh, well, he's not going to, he's not going to have like, you know, he's not going to be able to out talent teams like he did at Jackson State. Yes, he will. Yeah, I mean, yes, no, he will. He, he will bring five, four, five star guys. You, you've seen how bussing the transfer portal is right now. Yeah, you don't, I mean, you crazy. don't think, you don't think what's your, I've, I've already heard this rumor, and I know it's coming out. Trey Sanders from Alabama. i everybody's pinning him to go to Buffalo. Or go go be a Buffalo in Colorado. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's it is the dude is going to get a lot of talent. Like, I would not be shocked at all if if but Dion th- went and, and my and I agree. six games to open up. And I agree with you. My go point ahead. being is that I just think Dion is going to have to step up his coaching ability. And I'm not I'm not saying that he can't do that. I just think it's gonna take him a little bit longer because you're now going against coaches, programs who are on ish of the same level as you. You're going to have to put the right people around you, the right guys. And I just, I, I think he will. I don't, I just don't expect that to happen nearly as quickly on a trajectory as it did when he was at Jackson State. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that this, you know, that the, 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 the Buffaloes are going to be, you know, in the playoff next year or, or that they're going to be winning the Pac-12 or anything. But I just, I think it's funny when I see people talking about how Dion's going to get exposed. And, you know, I think, you know, similarly matched teams against a coach like Chip Kelly. Yes, he will get, uh, I am going to anticipate Dion getting beat, but I just don't know where people are coming from that, you know, that the that Colorado uh, can't, like, beat, you know, I don't know, like, Arizona. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be so many games where they are going to be at every position. They are going to be better than their opponent. You know, they may not have as, you know, a, a great head coach or whatever, but they are going to be better than their opponent just because of pure talent on the field. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about... 
I'm thinking about, you know, teams right now that we're looking at in the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 is a bit dire. You know, they had they had six teams win nine games or more, and that seems great on the surface, but not not when you consider their out of conference play get their out of conf, out of conference play records um you know sure you know Lincoln Riley at USC probably going to outcoach Dion going to you know meet him on talent if not have better mm-hmm. Oregon you know of course Oregon you have to consider uh in 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 you know you bring up a valid point with Chip Kelly at UCLA but i don't know Wazoo Arizona California ASU yeah, these are teams hey, that. Hey, throw some na- throw some respect on Kalen DeBoer and our boy Chucky Morell, okay? I want to believe. I want to believe in our friends over over. But <laughs> but it's it's. It, I just that's I I I'm tired of people saying like, you know that 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 the you know people people are acting like the Pac-12 is tougher than it is. There's a reason why Lincoln Riley went there. There's a reason why Dion chose Colorado. I think picking Colorado's uh, the the it being Colorado is so specific too. You know, he's he's specifically getting into the conference that should be the most winnable. Uh, you know, if you're making that step up, so yeah, it's a uh, it's awesome stuff. I'm very excited. You know, Colorado football. I mean, it, you know, I I genuinely plan on watching a lot of Colorado football next year just to see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 plop yourself on the couch. Still much watch TV. Because it's Deion Sanders, and that's what you got to do. So, yep. Um, yeah, no, I think that uh, I'm good there. That just about wraps that up. Have any final thoughts before we send to the cash grab? Get back into the second half of our show. Uh, no. Uh, just uh, just ready to make some money. So, Dom, please, please yeah. write that check. I will. When we come back, we've got MLB free agency is hot, hot, hot. It is freaking buzzing. Quick World Cup recap. Previews looking ahead. The United States loses. We'll talk about that more. Stick with us. You're watching Down and Out. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Second half of Down and Out is underway. Like I said before the break, MLB free agency. It is hot, folks. It is hot off the skillet, the pan, the oven, whatever is in your kitchen. Look in that. If it's hot, guess what? Xander Bogarts is probably there. Aaron Judge is probably there. Scherzer, Verlander, the whole plethora of guys are there. This is bananas. I mean... Shout out to anybody, our boy Jeff Passan, who, you know, we're, we're both pretty big passing guys. Uh, anybody who's an MLB beat writer right now is trying to keep up with this. I mean, it happens every year, but this year just seems, I think it's just because of how prolific some of the names are on this, just bananas. I mean, 
Well, I, I, I guess we start an Aaron Judge, but before we even get yep. to that, like, how, I, I, are you are you as just flabbergasted and almost is your brain in spirals as much as I am apparently? Yeah, I mean, it's been uh, it's been pretty wild. You've uh, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, because it's easy. I think sometimes when winter meetings and and you know, kind of the free agency uh, uh, wave starts to roll in, people are you know paying attention to football, whatever. Can sometimes be easy to miss, but I mean, we have been seeing huge money get thrown around. I mean, like you said, Dom, the obvious one is Aaron Judge decides to stay with the Yankees despite the fake out. Um, there was a uh, like I forget. Uh, who put out the report that Passon then uh, uh, disproved, but there was a report that he was going to the Padres, and everyone was like, oh, my God, like, well, you know, that's insane. Uh, or, you know, um, and and then Passon comes out and goes, no, that's not what's happening. Judge is staying in New York. And, you know, credit to Aaron Judge, that dude stuck to his guns. That man never budged on his demands. That man said, I will wait as long as it's, you know, I will I will play chicken with you, uh, Cashman, as long as you want. I, you know, mm-hmm. he uh, and uh, he gets his nine year, three hundred and sixty million dollar contract uh, befitting of an MVP. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, I think it's even funnier, too, is like the, the rumored deal, I believe, from the Padres was 10 years, 400 million. So, yeah. Whew. Crazy, crazy shit. Um, meanwhile, Trey Turner gets his big bag. Um, he gets an 11-year, $300 million deal. Um, you know, that's the thing, too, is that Aaron Judge is 30 and getting a nine-year deal. Trey Turner is 29 and a half, getting an 11-year deal. Xander Bogarts does go to the Padres and gets an 11-year deal as well. He's also 30, and he gets $280 million, just a little bit less than Trey Turner. Um, I mean... Crazy, crazy money. Um, hmm. Old you know. guys getting big contracts. Where have we seen that go wrong before? Well, you know, with, it's funny, right? With Aaron Judge, the way that dude is, I, I, you know, if you tell someone Aaron Judge is still going to be a good baseball player when he's forty, yes, yeah, I agree. You know, oh, like I do too. Yeah. I just don't. I don't want to. I don't want to believe it. But you're absolutely I don't wanna, right. I don't want to believe it. But I will say, with Trey Turner and Xander Bogarts, I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, Trey is great. I mean, he's obviously very good, and he's got at least like half a decade that's going to be very good. But Xander, coming off a a, a pretty average year with uh, with Boston, um, and you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it kind of seemed like the Padres may have whiffed on some free agent targets, and then they were like, "Well, we got through money," so yeah. they uh, they they that's what they did. Um, you know, and you you mentioned Justin Verlander. Um, Man, I was so stoked when DeGrom left uh, the Mets. You know, I, I was thinking to go to the Rangers. I was like, all right, let's do it. You know, like, you know, whatever. They're going to no, go get I mean, somebody. No, I mean, it's great. I can't wait to have J- uh, Jacob DeGrom more in, in, in Division in the, in Series. The, yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you enjoy DeGrom. We will, me and the Braves will enjoy Justin Verlander, who, yeah, I mean, don't who, get me I mean, wrong. who's coming off an, an, an unbelievably, like, resurrected season, you know? If, so. And if he's doing it at 40, he can do it at 41. I'm I'm worried about Justin Verlander being a major thorn in the For back sure. of uh, of the Braves. Um, 
Uh, I want to give a quick shout-out to the Cubs. I said this on Twitter, but the Cubs are having fun. I don't know if the Cubs are going to be good, but the Cubs are having fun. Um, uh, uh, they, uh, they brought in, um, Jamison Tyone from the Yankees. Uh, I, I'm a big Tyone guy. I like him a lot. He, you know, former number one overall pick. I think, you know, he, he, he can still maybe tap into something that he hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also brought in, um, uh, Belly, Cody yeah. Bellinger going to Chicago. That's, uh, those are two moves. Those are like two guys that are like, yeah, you know, they're like, oh, you know, un, you know, they haven't really matched their potential. Well, who knows? Maybe. Uh, well, I think maybe, I think for Belly, maybe Wrigleyville's where you do it. Yeah, I think it's a. I I love because I'm a Bellinger fan. I think he is immensely talented. He's just kind of fallen off his wagon a little bit. Great reset opportunity here. Like great, you yeah. know, one year deal, very favorable, you know, for a one year deal, seventeen and a half milli, absolutely. And if if Bellinger can just produce at somewhat above what he did last year, and you know, can can bat two eighty plus, you're thinking with you know close to thirty home runs, slew of RBIs, yeah, like you you're possibly either looking at extension or Bellinger comes back and he's a guy who who can get somewhat of a a major deal when we're doing this discussion a year from now. So I I like that as well. I think the best way you summed it up is really good. The Cubbies the Cubbies are having a team that you go into Diamond Dynasty for and you're like, "Ooh, this team is sneaky. This is sneaky sneaky good on paper. You're like, I don't know how it's going to replicate when I go against a team that's very much better than me, but I like my odds just because of the names that I'm, I'm putting on the field right now. That's the Chicago Cubs to me. Yeah, the only thing is, is that they did let Wilson Contreras walk. Um, you know, he's been a, a a major force for them for the past like yeah. half decade. I don't, I don't and, think Willie wanted to be there, but it's yeah. definitely tough to like let him go. And it's in your division as well. He, yeah, uh, well, that's the what Cardinals, good, right? Which, yeah, that's a that's a heel turn. He's Yachty's successor after uh, kind of making his name with the Cubs. He becomes uh, Yachty's successor in St. Louis. That's a good storyline there. Here's a bunch of other deals too uh kenley jansen uh goes to the to the red sox uh that's a that's an interesting place for him um uh taiwan walker uh jumps from the mets to the phillies um he had a pretty nightmare nightmarish year for the mets so um gonna be interesting to see what he does um and then uh you know uh also worth mentioning i think uh that you know he underrated underrated pickup josh bell was a big deal for for the Padres this past year after getting traded uh, from the Nats. You know, he, he came over in that in that Juan Soto deal. Mm-hmm. was huge, huge deal for the Padres. Uh, the Guardians pick him up, which the Guardians, as we remember, coming off a pretty good campaign. Uh, that's a sneaky, sneaky little improvement at uh, at first base for them. Um, yep. I like that. Uh, you know, so, yeah, that's a... Uh, it's 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 awesome, and we're not done. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, a lot of guys that don't have teams yet that you know you know are going to uh, make waves here in the uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, you know, somebody like Carlos Rodon. You know, he hasn't he hasn't decided if he's coming back with uh, with San Francisco, and then of course Carlos Correa uh, is uh, is also still free. Please become a brave man. I, you know, Dom. I love Dan Smith Swanson to death, but if he doesn't want to pay. If he doesn't oh, want to play God. for a re- reasonable freaking amount of money, then let's just go sign Carlos Correa and say screw it, uh, and just and, and just be those guys. Well, and um, your and your despise on Dansby, uh, 
excuse me, Dansby Swanson uh, turns into the Angels' benefit because that is Dansby is rumored to be very, very much on the Angels' high target list right now. If I'm the Angels, I would be like losing my mind trying to get Dansby. I think Dansby's a great player, and I think he's the type of cultural guy that the Angels need. Um, I would love to have him in Atlanta again, but I'm also at a point right now where if we're going to be throwing huge money at a shortstop, I'd rather go get Carlos Correa straight yeah, up. Absolutely, and honestly, I could overlook everything I hate about Carlos Correa if he became an Angel. You know, he's wearing yeah. Angel red. I would get over it. But I think because the Angels, I mean, you they they went out and got Hunter Renfro to go be the the solid outfielder next to Mike Trout, and assuming that Joe Adele is going to be your long term guy as somebody you you put you hang your head on, and then in in the infield you you get Gio Urshela from the Twins. Uh, which is interesting because it's like, well, what is Anthony Rendon's future? What, yeah, do, where's do you, he going? Where do, where do you put Gio? Do you shift Gio over to second base? Because He has played there before. Do you, do you pop him to short? But that's assuming you're going to still go get a shortstop, which you needed. Because you haven't had a really solid defensive. I mean, Renifo was Renifo was okay, was okay. But, like, he wasn't... Uh, Oh God, uh, Simba! Why am I? I'm, I just had his name in my head. You're our boy. We got from the Bra- oh, Andre Elton Simmons. Excuse me. Yeah. So I I, I like that Perry Missimian is, is trying his very best to not sit back on his heels and is trying to get Mike Trout and Shohei Otani into playing some meaningful October baseball. Dansby would be great, and that's exactly who I want them to go get. I was also really, really hoping that we were going to not, – not anything for Aaron Judge. I was really hoping we were going to get Verlander. I thought we could sneak him away from the in-division rival. I just wanted a guy we could give one or two years to in an old age and just fucking have him throw his arm out for us. You know, like I just give him – Give Verlander a one-two-year deal in L.A. We'll see what happens. But obviously, you know, didn't pan out. He went to the Mets. So uh, I, I'm I'm okay where it stays. I, I don't know necessarily, Ev, what the Braves vibe is right now. But you guys aren't necessarily in the position where you needed to make pretty drastic changes. You've had a pretty solid squad. And it doesn't seem like there's, you know, the, the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, there's not too much that's broke with the Braves. Yeah, they've uh, they've made very minor moves really so far. Um, not uh, not doing a whole lot. They uh, last night they signed um, I forget his name from I think the lion or the not the lions uh, the tigers um, from but, the Detroit uh, Jared Goff. <laughs> Is Amon uh, Ross St. Brown playing shortstop for the Atlanta Braves this year, yes, too? Yes, he is. That would honestly be cool as fuck. Uh, but, uh, no, uh, Joe Jimenez, um, he uh, joins the night shift. Uh, he was kind of uh, – he was, he, was, he was a very solid reliever for the Tigers. But that's pretty much the only move they've made that I would say is like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's going to be cool. Uh, everything else has been uh, pretty pretty quiet and understandably, like you said, uh, you know, it's it's – They've already spent a ton of money. They're not really in the position to do much. I think I think they go figure out what shortstop is, and that's their big splash. Um, and then uh, you don't really hear much else. Um, did did the Angels? Did the Angels still need a catcher? Um, I mean, I I, I would have thought maybe they they could have thrown their shoe in the ring for for Contreras. Um, to my knowledge, I mean, because they have. Uh, 
I don't know. It's I don't think Tyler. It's not Tyler Wade. I'm thinking of. Uh, they they had a they had a younger guy in there last year, and I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. So it was Stassi. So and Stassi is not that guy. Uh, right now on the depth chart, we have Logan O'Hope, who is uh, a 22 year old number one catching prospect for the Angels. He oh, is wow, their okay. presumed starter. So they must believe in this guy. Must well, be I I will is. say there's some some very interesting cheap uh, cheap veteran uh, catcher talent that I really think that the Angels would improve on. Just thinking about it because I know that you know Suzuki had his last year last year and it didn't yeah. go well and Stassi wasn't that guy and. Um, but Zanino, Mike Zanino, you know, he's with the Rays forever. Yeah. He's a more expensive option, but very, very good player and, and you know, somebody that definitely would whatever. But also, you know, you t- take a little bit of that Yankee DNA, you go get Gary Sanchez. You go say, hey, Big Gare, what you got? You know, you got 20 dingers for us? He probably does. Yeah, probably. He probably it's does. Big G, but I, my problem is with Gary, I know it's going to come with a lot of money. I would rather pay a, a slightly less and go get a guy like Mikey Zunino than go after Gary and just hope for the best when you know you're going to have to probably shell out some money. Because I'm also by the lack of interest I had in the catcher position, as you probably can already tell, that's not where my priority of where I want the right. Angels to spend their money is. I want them to ramp that bullpen, and you did that with Carlo Estevez. I, I like that deal. Uh, you could you definitely use a little bit more. Uh, Tyler Anderson putting him into the starting rotation is, is going to be nice, hoping that Tyler Anderson is still a shell of what he's been the last you know season or two. So you know, fingers fingers crossed there. But um, you know, I, I I I want us to shore up the infield, go get our third, go get our shortstop, and then, mm, yeah, get get help out that atrocious goal uh, bullpen you have, and then from there, then you know, go go have some fun. I don't know, go go test the luxury cap, Perry, see what happens. Well, uh, that uh that that does sound like a a decent plan of action. Um, but Dom, uh, we have talked a lot of baseball. Do you want to uh, go ahead and take it to the pitch? I would for love some to footy? take it. I would love to take it to the pitch. I love. I actually love how unnecessarily segway it is to go from a baseball to a soccer because the word pitch is in there. I mean, shout out to the Englishman that created the game of baseball, which I believe it or not, I think an, a guy from England created baseball. So he definitely had. You know, he was definitely a soccer guy, and he definitely. He definitely left his impact in the world of football in the game of baseball. But I would love to talk about some World Cup, Bev. Well, you know, we'll, we'll, we have to address the uh, the bad news first, which is the U.S. got eliminated. They, what? Uh, yeah. That's, they, for uh, any, that's for anybody who woke up from a coma in the last week. Yeah, under a well. rock, uh, whatever you want to say. Um, unfortunately, the U.S. did take uh, did uh, take the L to the Netherlands. Um, 3-1. Um, and kind of, kind of not ever really yeah, a game. Yeah, unfortunately, um, the U.S. kind of it just they it, it didn't even seem like they necessarily played that terribly, but they just got overmatched. They had their chances. I mean, the U.S. could have scored three goals. Like that was going to be the way that they had a chance in that game was by scoring a bunch. And you know, Pulisic right away in that game had a very, 
fair yet a sitter as you like to call it you know one where you just got to put it on one of the posts and it'll go in and uh, he, he wasn't able to do that and that kind of set the tone because then the Netherlands scored not soon after and then added another goal before the halftime mark and you know you're 2-0 down at half and always tough to come back from that um, but uh, you know I, I told Dom you know on uh, on our last episode that if the U.S. made it out of the group stage and made the round of 16, it was a successful World Cup. They've done that. You know, you do wish that they had maybe gotten a little bit further, or at least played the Netherlands a little closer, but uh, you, you take it. You know, you, yeah. you take this performance yep. and, and uh, you, you say, okay, well, let's build towards 2026. Um, unfortunately, from at least from my perspective, it does seem like the U.S. is going to give Greg Bearhalter a new contract. I didn't really want that to happen, but I guess he did meet the goal of getting out of the group. So um, it's uh, it's it, you know he he will be the manager for the foreseeable future. Um, my elementary takeaway from the Netherlands game, or it really just the the it's more actually I guess the the United States is appearance in this world cup is like hey it's very good you had a very good competitive draw against england i'm never going to say that's not a positive the way england has played since then you know and the way they played against iraq before that but again elementary take here scoring two goals in the entirety of the world cup not good cotton not good at all like that's that that to me alone is very questionable. And you talk about your uh, homeboy there getting a con- uh, you know an extension to continue coaching the world team. Well, I, I don't know. You know, to, not not to call in the other football sport, but somebody get the United States an offensive coordinator. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just I, I I that's that's my thing. It's like you score two goals the entire tournament. I'm like, yeah, of course so. Like. Netherlands, they're they're very good. They're always playing in these meaningful games. So it's like, dude, what did you, you think you were just gonna win with one goal against a team like that? No. Yeah, uh, that was well. That was the thing too is that the U.S. had gone defended so well in the first three games, and then yeah, like I said, just not quite up to it. They kind of looked gassed even at the start of the game. I think maybe they just ran out of juice. Um, but uh, it is what it is, and and yeah, they definitely need to uh, to to see if they can. They they've got to find a striker between now and 2026. Um, it is uh, it, it it was the glaring glaring weak link spot. They've got too many attackers, you know, in the wings and stuff. Because you know Giovanni Reina, that was a big talking point about how he didn't get to start uh, at any game and didn't get to play as much as some people wanted to see him play. But he's not a striker, so you can't you don't really want to be playing him up top. You know, mm-hmm. you want to be playing him on the wings or maybe in the attacking midfield role. So they've got a lot of guys who are great at the attacking midfield role. They're great at being wingers, but they're just not out and out strikers. That's something that the US has to figure out before twenty twenty six. Who's uh, a who's a name that maybe you know, we I would know that people would know that makes sense is like, okay, this is a guy we could see come up and be hopefully that striker the U.S. needs. Do they have a guy in the system? Well, so, you know, we could see where Josh Sargent goes. He's still young enough that it's interesting. He, You know, he started a couple of the games in the World Cup, and mm-hmm. I would say he actually had a, a pretty good uh, pretty good showing. He's still only 22. Yeah. He's playing he's playing for Norwich and having a great season uh, in the second division in England. Um, so, you know, he is he's going to be 26 in, in 2026. You know, you're kind of hoping that he takes the next step up and he kind of becomes that guy. Um, 
you know, you, you also have to consider a guy who was not brought on the uh, the trip this year is uh, Ricardo Pepe. Uh, Ricardo Pepe plays for uh, Grunningen, um, which is uh, uh, a club in um, – well, he plays for Grunningen right now, but he's actually a member. He's on loan from uh, Augsburg, which is a one of the top – one of the, you know, most popular teams in the German top tier. Mm-hmm. Um, he is younger even than Sargent. And is a guy that, you know, his talent level is kind of considered to be, his ceiling is considered to be much higher than Sargent's. So if he develops the right way, uh, that would be great. But those are kind of the two names, you know, a guy that we've already seen and a guy that has played for the U.S. in qualifying but didn't get invited uh, to Qatar. Um, So, he, he, you know, he will likely get his chance in 2026. Um, Now, here's, here's just a thought again. Uh, because I think this could be very good if they introduce this to soccer. Let's go in loan internationally. Let's go get a dude from Argentina. Or, like, let's go get a guy from France. Isn't How much do we have to pay Mbappe to come play for the U.S.? We could probably find he's a U.S. citizen somewhere, right? We well, could afford if- the document. If Qatar can, yeah, if Qatar can buy the World Cup, then we That's should. That's what be able I'm saying, bro. It. Like that, the U.S. Yeah. should have been like, listen, this whole this whole thing is one. It's suspect. It's, it's a little. It's a yeah. It's it's aft. So like, let's let's spice it up. Let's let's get Mbappe. You know, let's 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 sign some people. <laughs> let's get into free agency. Let's make the World Cup bigger free agency buzz than the MLB. That's my proposal. Yeah, that's the thing too is that you know, Dom. I'm not. Even, we're kind of just scratching the surface because there are a lot <laughs> of really young guys that are you know like these like 16 to 19 year olds that yeah. have U.S. can claim U.S. So uh, 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 we we need to uh, keep rooting for them. Uh, there's a guy at Arsenal right now named uh, 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 Fullerin Balogun. He uh, he is been repping England at the youth international level his entire life, but he's never played uh, for uh, the England national team, the senior team. So he can rep the U.S. whenever he wants. So uh, it's... Do it. uh, Don't be a loyalist. It, Come fight it, it for could, the Patriots. Could be... He would be a big one uh, to get in the mix for 2026 as well. But, um, Dom, looking at the... Uh, you know, we've got eight teams left in this World Cup now uh, uh, after the round of 16. Um you know, it, I would say it was pretty chalky, um, which is kind of what you want. You know, it's it's weird, right? Like, you want Cinderella stories at the World Cup, but you also want to see the very best teams yep. and the very best players playing. And I that's think, kind of I what think you, that's where soccer is unique in that aspect, is that even for, for, yeah. for fans who are diehard about it and for fans who scratch the surface like me, I, I would agree with that because I like seeing traditional powers play each other. Yeah, that and not to mention, too, that you can kind of just see the quality difference more with soccer than you can with something maybe like the, uh, you know, college football or whatever. Um, but uh, we've got a, a really great, you know, slate uh, for the quarterfinals. They start tomorrow on the Friday the 9th. Um, Netherlands and Arge- Argentina, uh, you know, the Dutch uh, take on take on Argentina after beating the U.S. And, and Argentina is kind of the team I've elected to root for the rest of the way. Um, I've got French... French heritage, but um, and and you know I'd like to see them or England do okay, but I want Messi to get his title. I want Messi to get his World Cup trophy, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, Argentina Netherlands. That's going to be very good. Um, you also have uh, Croatia and Brazil. 
um, which is also going to be, I think, a very, very good matchup. Um, Croatia, you know, in 2018 made it all the way to the final, kind of a Cinderella run then. Not so much Cinderella now. You know, everyone kind of knows that Croatia's got the juice. So, uh, you know, be curious to see if uh, who comes out on top of that. Brazil's coming off of a dominant 4-1 win over South Korea. So, uh, uh, with Neymar looking healthy, you know they're going to be they're going to be dangerous as usual. Um, and then, man, England France, dude, that on Saturday is going to be just a sober knocker, to quote Jr. from uh, WWE. Like that is going to be just like that might end up being the final. Like whoever wins that might. In my end opinion, up being, that should just be the final. Yeah, it's just England France. Um, that is that the history behind that. Oh my God! King Louis the Sixteenth and King Charles the Eighth rolling in their graves watching that one. I know it's uh, it's insane the amount of history that uh, goes into this one. And you know, I mean, these are you know, like I said, it's either if it's not England and France, it's like Brazil's the most talented team. These are basically the two most talented teams, and and uh, they both you know are kind of approaching you know this World Cup as title or bust. So someone's going to walk away very disappointed tomorrow. Um, and then, uh, or on Saturday, and then also on Saturday, we've got Morocco and Portugal, and that brings us to the Cinderella story of the uh, of the tournament, the Moroccan national team. Um, but I, I mentioned the Dom, you know, they are a Cinderella team, um, but they are not some you know untrained, you know, playing at a low level group of guys. This, this Moroccan national team has players that are playing at the very, very top level for some of the best teams in the world. Um, they, they've got a defender named Ashraf Hakimi, who is considered to be one of the best attacking uh, uh, like fullbacks in the world. He plays for Paris Saint-Germain. He plays with Mbappe at PSG. So, I mean, they've got some, you know, Hakim Zayek at uh, Chelsea. I mean, they've got some really, really, you know, talented, uh, you know, prominent players. But they've uh, they've really started to put together something special. They beat Spain on penalties, um, uh, and and now they've got Portugal, uh, which um, is going to be a tough ask because Portugal just beat Switzerland six one. Yeah, uh, uh, that's but, that's a, that's a lot of goals in soccer. That's the thing. I was like, ooh, Portugal, good offense. Portugal yeah. uh, again. Going back to the t- conversation, the United States should poach. The Portugal's head coach and make him the offensive coordinator. Boom, done. I agree. I just, I just solved soccer. Uh, Portugal scored six goals and they did not even play Ronaldo. Ronaldo did not even play. Well, he's he, kind of uh, going. He's going through his own little thing right now. Um, right. Ronaldo might not play another game in the World Cup. I highly unlikely. I feel like, but I, I also would be like, hmm, okay, I'm not that surprised. I think uh, I think there's a chance that he he does get involved uh, again, but but yeah, I mean he uh, it, 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 it's pretty clear that you know the Portuguese uh, national team's coach uh, he he kind of said I saw in an interview where you know Ronaldo was complaining about being subbed off at one point in the previous games and uh and the coach was like well i'm not gonna have that shit i'm not gonna you know deal with you know whatever so I'll sit him um, and that's uh that's nice. what's happened. So um, uh, we'll see if uh, Ronaldo makes it back out to the starting lineup against uh, Morocco on Saturday. But um, if he, uh, 
if he doesn't, you know, he could still be in the mix in the games past that. I wouldn't rule him out for the rest of the tournament necessarily, but it's a, it's a good little uh, quarterfinal setup. Um, like I said, a lot of major powerhouses. You kind of got Morocco and Croatia as like the dark horse outsiders, but it kind of feels like anybody remaining in this tournament could win it, and that's always a good vibe. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be a great uh, – so it starts uh, tomorrow and Saturday, right? But two games Yeah, that's tomorrow, our quarterfinals. That's our quarterfinals, and then the semifinals are, uh, like, next, like, Wednesday and Thursday. Nice. Well, it is coming to an end. Um, so definitely get get your soccer in, folks, because obviously we're gonna we're you know gonna be talking a lot about this because it's it's always fun to be talking World Cup stuff. Um, I I don't have anything else to add other than the fact that like the blowback to now that we're into the quarterfinals here, the blowback to Qatar hosting um, has sort of quieted down a little bit, which is a little nice because that means the competition has been really good, so everybody's kind of been distracted by the soccer but i fully anticipate when this wraps up and we all start doing the deep dive analysis of like what it took to get this world cup to play in guitar yeah we'll, we'll we'll have those conversations again but you know what though let's just let's focus on the field let's all have a good time let's vibe let's vibe with some footy because this is awesome world cup is yeah sick. it is awesome and uh i i agree i think i think there'll be more blowback over time but yeah right now since we're just dead in the middle of the tournament it's kind of you know, all right, let's just focus on the play. So that is nice, but but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what happens in the future. Dom, I guess it's about time to wrap up the show. Yeah, it is just our time. Ev, in the meantime, until we come back, talk a little bit more next week, where can the people come and talk to us? They want to hear, they want to, if the people want to hear things they want to hear, we can do that for them. But we, we, aren't, we aren't mind readers, folks. We do need you to, to take an extra step. And where can they do that, Ev? It's a two-way street, folks, and uh, the street you should head down is Twitter Avenue. Um, and uh, you can go follow us at Down and Out Podcast, uh, D-O-W-N-N-O-U-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Uh, that uh, that is where you can you know ask us questions. You can give us feedback uh, and just see when new episodes drop. And you know while you're doing that, you should also be uh, you know going on your uh, podcast app, you know Apple Podcast, Spotify, whatever you're listening to this on, and giving us a positive review, whether that's five stars or something written. Uh, we really appreciate either. It, it it makes us look good and and helps us expand the uh, the audience. So. Yeah, and while you are supporting us, which we very much appreciate, we also appreciate any love, support you give to JD Masters and Buddha, Man of the Mirrors, our intro, outro music. Go show them some love, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream your music, anywhere you stream our podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, all the places Evan said, uh, you can uh, show them love there too. So we really appreciate that. Have uh, any final parting words to get to the people before we send them off to their beautiful weekends? Uh, no, uh, just, uh, I hope everyone has a, uh, a good, uh, uh, winter weekend and, uh, yeah, uh, appreciate the support. Folks, it's been fun. It's been real. It's been down and out. And until next time, Arrivederci. Later. I ignored your story cause I didn't want to hear it. Bitch, did you ever really?
really catch a switch Where I went from rock to pool to cop the vibe like a fish Assist like white chocolate handing out a dish If the devil shows up then my soul he does wish I might accept the offer cause I wanna grind like cause And give the trophies to my mama Make him sweat like a sauna Cause act like I can't then I'ma spit like a llama Take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga So check me out, fill me up and watch me bounce Cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse Switch places, change faces, now Buddha runs a house Trust hip-hop more than bitches, so I'ma take her as a spouse Or at least a concubine If in front of my God feel divine I'ma grab it like a shield and I'ma make it shine Cause when I'm polished, I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant, go through the ceiling Man in the mirror doubled up, now you all the fuck We go again, but when we stop blazing Boom, boom, pow, pow what you gonna do now Especially when I bring the energy Like it's a powwow Besides find a man Page your face Cause you a damn clown Look around Only one that is And I'm a wagon now The name is Buddha, bitch Damn, JD Uh, look around Only one that is And I'm a wagon now